25 years ago, on March 15, 1998, the Miami Fusion kicked off their opening game in MLS's third season, becoming one of the two expansion teams in this ever-growing professional league. While the Chicago Fire would win the U.S. Open and MLS Cup double in that 1998 season, getting all the attention in the process, the Fusion would quietly grind, grow, and build over the next few years until finally putting forth a dominant Supporter Shield winning season in 2001. This team, led by Ray Hudson, played fast, loose, and exciting soccer. Alex Pineda-Chicon, Pablo Mastroeni, and Nick Romando were just some of the memorable names on this roster. This progressive playing squad was bested only by a young Landon Donovan and his San Jose Earthquakes in the Major League Soccer playoffs that year. Despite putting together one of the best seasons in MLS history at that point and arguably since, MLS made the decision to fold both the Fusion and their Florida neighbors, MLS original franchise, Tampa Bay Mutiny. While MLS soccer has returned to Miami in the form of David Beckham's Inter-Miami, much has been discussed of what could have been had the Miami Fusion been allowed to stay and build. Indeed, what would a Miami Fusion look like in 2023? This podcast tells the story of the Miami Fusion through the voices of those who actually lived it. 25 interviews across 25 episodes charting the good, the bad, and the unbelievable. My name is Joe Shaw, and this is 25 for 25, the story of the Miami Fusion from those who lived it a detox production. Join us all season long as we explore this unique slice of American sports history. This is a great sports event. This is the best ticket money can buy in South Florida. And it rocks, it absolutely rocks. Before 2001, Alex Pineda-Shakon had been to Miami once before to train with this motley crew of players known as the Miami Fusion. He was asked about his availability. He was asked what his interests were. And at the time, he was playing for City Olympia in Honduras and said, no, I am just here to train, appreciate the interest, I'm good. And then, fast forward to 2001, and he's sending, in his words, VHS or Betamax tapes of himself scoring goals and getting it in the hands of Ray Hudson and literally not thinking anything would come of it. And soon enough, Ray Hudson said, I want a three-way call this striker. I want to know about his availability. I want to know if he can come down to Miami because he's the exact player I'm looking for. And the rest is history. In 2001, Alex Pineda-Shikon came and destroyed MLS with the tune of 19 goals scored in the 2001 season, winning the MLS MVP, becoming the Golden Boot winner. And who was his competition for the Golden Boot? His strike partner, Diego Serna. Diego and Alex formed an incredible one-two punch in attack for this fusion team, which were part of the main reason they were able to dominate so many teams in 2001. Though Alex only played in the 2001 season, he was an integral part of what made the Miami Fusion so special. In 25 for 25, the story of the Miami Fusion from those who lived it, we are telling the stories of the good, the bad, and the unbelievable 
through the voices of those who actually lived it. In Chapter 5, Fine, I'll Score Goals, Alex talks about his experience being the playmaker for other strikers to score throughout his career until coming to Miami and recognizing that role was already filled. They needed him to put the ball in the back of the net to the point where he finally just said, fine, I'll score goals. And he did. All right, so go ahead and tell me about that first time that you came to Miami to visit. Okay, yeah, I came 1998. Uh, obviously, the future, I know the history is 1996 when Pepe Valderrama came to the to the team. And I came 98 and I saw a big billboard in the 90, I-95. Yep. Pepe Valderrama there. And I was like, oh, amazing players. Somebody like, um, I follow him the way he played as a kid. And 98, I came with my wife, um, to visit Miami with a friend of mine, Adolfo Vargas, who was my agent, my most friend. He brought me here later on in 2001. But 98, I came to visit for a week. And my friend told me, I asked him, like, I need to train in at least three times this week because in about 15 days, I have to go back to Honduras and, and training and and played a, a tournament like UNCAF in Central America. He would have to compete. So, and I, I went to Fusion, uh, local stadium area, and I trained with Jim Rooney was there, was Eric Winalda, was uh, Jeff Casar, the goalkeeper. <clears throat> and uh, I don't remember who else was. Saul Martinez was the Honduran player was there too. Right. I don't Marshall. And I just training. I don't have any interest at that time to be part of the team because I had a contract with Olympia club from Honduras. Right. We don't know too much about the, the MLS at that time, to be honest. And I just training and I think I did well. And the coach approached me at the end of the practice and he asked me, where are you from? Uh, I'm from Honduras. Um, and he said, are you interested to be part of the team or what is the, what is the situation here? And I said, no, I just want to train. I never right. have. Tell him, like, I will be interested in playing Miami at that time because we don't know anything about, about the MLS at that time. So, and I trained in, like, three times that week, and I go back to Honduras to play the, the tournament. And, uh, obviously, Olympia was the best club ever in Honduras and probably Central. And I don't have interest in to join the Miami Fusion at that time, 98. But I remember Rooney, I remember those guys um, training well there. And um, I still have some picture, but three years later, I was part of the team. And Jim yeah. was still there, but Eric Winalda wasn't there. So a new team. So that that year basically was a very very new team. That's what I I knew when when I when I arrived to Miami. I was the last international player in the in the team. And it is funny when I hear I hear the whole story about Jim Rooney last time, like hours something. And, <laughs> Mentioned something about me when he saw me come to, to the team. And he said, like, this is the guy who's going to play with us. This is the guy who's going to play number nine or something like the striker. Right. This is a joke. <laughs> it's not big. It's not strong. It's not nothing like that. So, but, you know, it's, it's, I was the last international player and I was in the bench the whole time for the first four games. But I scored goals and I scored goals. And then he said, oh, that worked. It's not big, <laughs> not strong, but is this work? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, that's 
it's incredible to me that you came because a couple of people have mentioned, um, you know, the you coming and training around the team prior to being part of the team. So it's it's really interesting that you came and then later you had such a huge impact. And and it was <laughs> it was funny yeah. to me. Um, yeah. Jim Rooney talked about like, ah, this guy doesn't really have a quote unquote striker profile. Like, I don't know. Is this really who we're hoping's going to knock in the goals for us? And it happened. And then John Trask, um, in one of the previous episodes, he talked about it was something where you, you see certain strikers and you go, I don't know that this is going to work out. And then they just have a knack for the goal uh, like you're, you had in 2001 specifically. And then he made the comparison to Jao Klaus, who's playing for St. Louis City SC right now. His his profile and his build is a bit odd uh, to the quote unquote traditional, but he's finding the goal. He's finding the pockets. He's finding the space. And uh-huh. it's it. He makes it look easy, just like you made it look easy. I mean, it's it's incredible. So, how did you when you did finally uh, make it to Miami in two thousand and one, uh, having played most of your career in in Olympia uh, with or in Honduras with Olympia? Um, who made the call to ha- to bring you in? Was that something that um, the sporting director did? Was that something that Ray did uh, to bring you in? How did you make it back to Miami? Okay, was uh, I was playing Olympia in 2001, and then we played the pre-qualifier for the World Cup of Clubs. Was in LA. Okay. Yep. Uh, I had a friend who was live, still living in Miami since that time, Adolfo Vargas, and he going to the practice once in a while to see the fusion training. And then when I visit him, I say, "What? Why not? You one day you want to come here to to play to MLS and." In Miami, I know the coach. He told me that, Ray Hudson. Uh, really, I said, okay. Um, I will send you by DHL. I will send you that big cassette, you know. <laughs> I think it's nothing like that. It's a big, huge, you know, we use it for Betamax. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Old one. And I have like 35, 40 goals there and some assists, you know, um, that we can, I can give it to you if you, you make that happen, I will give it the 10%. I just say that because I not even believe that's going to happen. Sure. I send it over, and with that cassette, he went to the office for Commercial Boulevard, local stadium area, and he gave it to Ray Hudson. Hey, this is the player that interested. Maybe you want to, to, to look it up a little bit. So when he saw the, the, the video, he called um, my friend Adolfo, he said, hey, this is the, the freaking player that I want. That's what he said. <laughs> you, you have a contact uh, information for that? Yeah, I can call him right now. Okay, we can call him. We do three-way. And he called me because I'm, my English is zero. I'm still in trouble with the English. But uh, <laughs> we're talking a little bit. And then Ray Hudson asked me if he, I'm interested to come here. I said, yeah, why not? I had a chance to go to La Liga in Spain. Yeah. But I will see the two options. What is what is best? So La Liga fall down because the coach get fired, and I have only one option now: MLS. And I say okay. So I played the final Honduras uh, a week later, and coming from the bench too. The same story with Miami. The first couple couple games coming from the bench, like 17 minutes, and I scored the winning goal. We basically champion from the league. We qualified to World Cup, so everything was successful. I scored a goal against Pachuca, the second goal, and um, 
in the LA. So I was scoring goals, scoring goals, but my main thing was like playmaker, assist. Yeah. Number ten. Number ten in South America is the, the creative player. But anyway, for the question like who made the contact was the Ray Hudson. I spoke with him two times. And the question for him was like, I remember he said, You know Cree Henderson? Yes, I know him. I play against him many, many times with the national team. I know him. So we have him. We have uh, Diego Serna. I don't know Diego. I don't know. To be honest, I don't know Diego, but I know Chris Henderson. We play against. I know he's fast. He's skillful. Mm -hmm. He'll play for outside. Can you be able to assist him to play ball in behind, things like that? You think you can work it out with something like that? I need a play like that. And I say, yes, of course. I want to say yes. Right. But pretend I'm with the most... Uh, assist in the history of Honduras I still and okay for me that's going to be easy I, I think that was my main characteristic number 10 playmaker okay great bah, bah, bah. we're talking about it and uh, when I came here honestly I tried to be like a playmaker but was pricky was ambitious even Rooney have a good feed to deliver the balls so have a very good midfielders and everybody said, oh, Chiqui. They call me Chiqui because Rimando put me Chiqui because it's small. I said, why Chiqui? Yeah. No, because you're small. Okay. So <laughs> they put forward. Chiqui, don't come here, man. We have enough players here. We need you high. Go high. Go high. But the, from the beginning, I not even understand what they say. Yeah. <laughs> and I, what the heck? And I, Carlos, well, Llamosa. He speaks yeah. Spanish in English. And Diego, a little bit English, not too much. And they say, Parcero, come here with me. Come hide. Let those guys send the ball to us. And I, I started getting understand. They don't want me to come to build the play from the back and get in touch with the ball. They want me higher. But since the first game, I scored a goal. Second game from the bench, scored a goal. Third game, scored a goal. I have a record in the league, like six goals in 200 minutes, something like that, 240 minutes. Okay, that's the deal. Um, now I'm second in the league for goals. Why not? I said, why not? I'll be more higher. I will be in the box and I'll, I'll score goals. These guys like it to be higher. Don't want me involved too much in the build that play in the middle. Fine. I score goals and everybody hug me and then that's it. So that's why I started getting scoring, scoring. And, and obviously, like Jim Rooney said, this guy is always in the pocket. He yeah. got the right, right moment to get into the box. And, you know, it's something not weird for me because... In Honduras, I was the leader scoring goal in 93-94. And a uh, year before, I scored 15 goals in 18 games too. And also assists. Okay, this is the role here. I accept it because I'm scoring goals. And and Diego Serna helped me a lot too because he was he was really strong. Right. And, and the center backs always, the attention was for Diego, not for me. And I using that as a vanish when Diego going sprinting to the left i'm going to the right he'll go to the right going to the left so always whatever attentions diego took from the defenders i just going away and look in the pockets and that worked for me in that year because like Rooney say everybody said i'm not stronger i'm not six two you know i'm five a and and that was the successful that year but obviously the team was really really good very skillful we maintained the possession of the ball we're doing 20 25 passes easily for the whole field. So I just look in the right time, right moment to sprint in and get in, into the pocket in the box. And I score. And I think I scored like 13, 14 goals, like first touch, not even control, not, not first touch, just ping, ping, yeah. inside of the foot, finishing. That's yep. just finishing, not shooting. It's not finishing, the real finishing. 
first touch. And the grass was good. I, I played in Honduras in a terrible fields. There we have to do two or three touches to finish it. Right. Otherwise, guessing. But in the grass here in MLS, field was amazing. For me, it was a paradise, you know? Touch yeah. the first, first time. You know, yeah, we... The contact. Yeah. No, I think what's been interesting to me, um, listening to stories from from Jim, from Jeff, from John, and now from you, is about um, Ray's approach to coaching and how it was very – I'm trying to remember exactly what John had said, um, but it was it was almost um, Johan Cruff-esque, right? Almost very total football, just go, put your players on the field, and just go. Um, how, did, how was your experience being coached by Ray – and the team in the build-up to the games and then during the game? did What was that experience like for you? Well, Ray, Ray Hudson was more like like the psychologic part for the player. Mm-hmm. So he working a lot in the details. He's not that coach like he working on the field, sweating with the players, teaching this, teaching that. It was more like John Trosh and, and Eric Eichmann. Yep. Yep. Uh, those two Coaches was like more involved in the sessions, mm-hmm. and he was Ray Hudson just was watching, and then see if everything was okay. If somebody's injury, somebody's tired, it's like details. Who need to rest? Who need to work in the whole session? Who need to work something after practice? Switch upon attacks, ball control, or finishing things like that. So basically. Uh, you know, and during the games, the speech is very at the end, like motivation, more than a lot of details tactically here and there. Because at that time, I don't think we have a lot of resources like watching videos like today. Yeah. And do video analysis, for example, for the games, for the opponents. <clears throat> so not too much information, to be honest. So everybody knows in the league, because the league was 10, 12 teams not even 20 something like today right players need more like study more than every single team or every single club what player they have it's a lot of new players so at that time was not it's not a science you know that it's like okay you guys are gonna play this way this work for us we don't care about them so let's yeah. do our job let's do our style play which was possession with this penetration in the final third with diego uh, you know, wing backs or wings. Um, we have a very good uh, player for outside. You know, and Paolo Mastroianni, strong, younger. Carlo Jamosa, experience, managed defend- defensively the back line very well. Tyron Marshall has a lot of stamina, energy. So we have a very balanced team. Jay Hibbs and Leo Kunen, for example, they have to move to New England because when I started play for, for Ray Hudson was like, have to make a decision, play with four or just play with three and put Alex on top. Because from the beginning, I was on the bench. Right. So he needed to change. And I believe it was the conversation with the whole coaching staff. Because a scoring goal, a scoring goal, why you have to be on the bench? Right. I'm, not, I'm talking with the goals, with the results. I'm not talking like complaining or why I'm not playing like, like arrogance. No, I was humble. Put me 10 minutes, I will see what can I do. But put me in whole games, maybe it can be better. But I'm not asking for that. 
And I was uh, with a big name in Honduras and Central America, but not in MLS. They don't know me. This is Jim Rooney said that. Who is this guy? Yeah. Same for us. Like, who is Jim Rooney? Right. We don't do. <laughs> you know? <laughs> we know Stoikov, Echeverri, Valderrama, but we don't know many things, many other players. I know Chris Henderson. We play national team players. Alexis Lala, Kobe Jones. We play against many times. But I don't know who is Rooney at that time, to be honest. And when okay, he was a youth player playing here and there and there, but I don't know him too much at that time. So for me, it was you know just coming a new team, new players. I not even know the name of the whole players to be honest. The first couple of games, and I just hear a couple of words like "well done, well done, chicken." And I was like, "What that means? Well done? No, you're doing good." Ah, okay. I was thinking something wrong. Right. <laughs> you know, well I, done. What? <laughs> yeah. You know, like I was looking. Well done, Chiki. They say like Rooney and uh, Ian Bishop. Yeah. Was a good guy too. And a great player. Oh my gosh, left footed, right footed. He have eyes everywhere. So I lucky to play with a very good players with a style that I like it, which is don't expose the ball, keep the ball, keep the ball till the space is open. But you know, I lucky to be in that in that team, and then I just remember like we should be doing even more stuff. We should be in the final that year. I mean, it was for me, it was we Honestly, it was the best team in the league that year. But we got the final. Because situation like Rooney said too, like Diego Serna got red card, Ian Bishop got red card. We played men, two men downs in the last game. Yeah. So something like they don't want us in the final. <laughs> but anyway, so many, many things come into my mind. But yeah. You have another question. Yeah, no, it's um, it's interesting because, I mean, you can even you look at some of the old footage and you see a play start with Ramondo, uh, kicking it right, sort of a nice long ball. It gets ping ponged right, or just like or pinballed right, bing 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 through the midfield, and then Cern is pulling center backs, thread the ball to you, boom, one touch finishing. Other teams not even sniffing the ball let alone touching the ball I mean it's just it's it's wild that that back and forth back and forth and then John said John Trask said in the episode he said it got to the point where later in the season you could sit on the bench and call it be like and it's about to be a goal goal by Alex goal by Diego goal by like it's happening ready and boom like just it it was it was magical mm -hmm. um I'm curious you it was interesting you made a you made a comment about the psychological aspect because we didn't have, I mean, in 2001, uh, we didn't have the technological infrastructure and access that we have in, in today in 2023. And I know MLS was smaller at 12 teams versus now there's 29 teams in the league, definitely a huge increase. Um, but technology has just changed in leaps and bounds. I mean, we're recording this interview digitally, right? We're in, as opposed to in person or over an actual telephone and a tape recorder. Um, what do you think, uh, having uh, speaking from a coaching perspective, how do you think the infusion of constant data analysis has adjusted the approach to sort of that coach-player dynamic today versus in 2001? Well, well with the technology and a lot of more stuff, I think the difference now is they can analysis more. They can even take that piece in the back for see how much you're running. Um, they're tracking all the stuff now. 
But the game is the game. It's, it's on the field. It's the same team. It's the only thing is like how much you run, for example. In that time, we don't have any idea if we need to do more fitness stuff or less right. compared with today. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of different, but soccer is since you see Johan Cruyff play, since you see Billy from Brazil from 70, it's, it's about the players you have and the characteristic of the players you have. You can implement a style of play. And that not, not changed, I think, from that time, from this time. <clears throat> because I think the management is still the same from the psychological standpoint. And um, the system is there, variation here and there, because Guardiola play 3-5-2 or Mourinho play lower block. And then that worked too with the contra-attack or Real Madrid play, you know, going back and then go forward with this faster play. I think it's more like that's that's not change. It's, it's even the, you know, thing change whether you try to put more technology. But coaching-wise and the players, the players who score change like is uh, <clears throat> they're eating better at this time because they have to go to the club to get a breakfast, training, and stay for lunch. So everybody's under control what you eat in order better nutrition standpoint. In the past, I remember, <laughs> and I have to mention this because in the past, I remember Kyle Martino. Um, that's the younger players. They go in after practice to to eat something quick, like yeah. Burger King, McDonald's. Uh, they're happy with them. They don't care about the how, how good they have to eat. And um, right now is is different because you have to go early to the to the club and you have everything to eat, everything healthy. You don't see anything bad to eat, and the body is more is more stronger. Probably the players better nutrition wise. You know that's maybe the different. But in our times, I came from Honduras to train in two two hours, three hours. Or sometimes twice a day. When I came to Fusion, we training our 15 minutes. Go home. And Thursday, we're going to, if we're winning, we're going to the to the beach area, training soccer tennis, you know, on the sand. It's not work. Work. And the race say, okay, go there to train there. Just play. So basically that day we don't do anything tactic. We don't do anything like possession. We just... Mentally, go away from this. Just go have fun. Friday, 45 minutes, go home. So basically, we don't train too much like everybody can think. We're training a lot because the team is good. I think the key was the player that we have, the selection of the players, the Doug Hamilton and, and Ray and the coaching staff, and the idea they have for the team, how play, and they put the pieces on the field. For me, that was the secret. And that is something like not, never going to change from the all years to the, this year. The sporting director is very, very important piece to select the players. And obviously, I believe cannot be separate from the coach because the coach needs to know what type of player they have or what, need, what player they need for his idea. And I think Ray was a 
very important piece to select the players for the system or select the players for that what he wants, his his states, you know, what something like you like, how you imagine the team play for you, because you're the head coach. And John Charles and, and Eddie was a piece, important piece too, because Eric played a national team too. So he knows how to play soccer. John, I, I don't know, to be honest, at this point, but it was the guy who was like, and every single player on top of them, training, running the, the possession style that we did. It. We don't not we don't do too many things because the play was experienced players. You know, it was not so younger players. It was Rimando and Pablo. Kyle Beckerman was 19 years, but he was broken his uh, leg. Yeah. He don't play too much. So we use him basically 12, 13 players for the whole season. We don't use him 25 players in a big roster. So that was another because the team playing good. If is that everything going well, why change? You know? So yeah. anyway. Doesn't change too much ways, but just for the eating standpoint, nutri nutrition standpoint, I think that changed a lot. The players take care more of their body than the past. And technologically, the video analysis have to they using now or we don't use it at that time. You know, I think there's <clears throat> there's so much goodness in what you shared. So one, I do think the increase in resources and uh, the technological components has been, I've seen vast improvement. You talked about the nutrition aspect and also the fitness aspect from a rehabilitation and or prevention standpoint. Those have been key. Um, I do think there is something to be said about like, I love digging into the data and understanding the analysis. Like I love that. And also I understand that too, too much, like, Everything in moderation, right? So if you dig too much into the numbers and too much into the statistics, I think you can build on paper a team that should be dominant. But mm -hmm. when you put them on the field, they fall flat because they're not blending together. They don't like each other. They don't like to play with each other. They're getting in each other's way. I mean, it really does. It, there is something to be said that the biggest work for this team, the 2001 Fusion, was done sort of on a on a on a you know whiteboard a, a chalkboard of these are this is the way we want to play these are the profile types we need and now let's go meet, like meet the players get to know them understand are they the right fit from a personality standpoint and can we merge this team together and when you did like you said y'all are pros you know what to do it's just a matter of like, okay, we're going to go into here and going to let you play because you know what you're supposed to do. We're not going to kind of come over the top and, and over-engineer everything. I mean, that's, that's yeah. key. Yeah, that's key for me. And like I said, the selection of the player was very, very, very high point for that team. Because to Preki, Preki how are you going to teach Preki? Things it was MVP played in national team, played Premier League. Because mm -hmm. a coach gonna start teaching stuff how to control the ball, how dribble, you know. So it's more about you have this player on, the, on your side, and you gotta understand what his style play. For me, it was a important piece for him. For example, for I know I knew it. He wanna do two or three 
faint of fate yeah. before if he can score he will score but my job is try to be in open every time he cut i gotta be open give an angle pass i have to be an option for him no matter what he got the ball he's 35 years old he's i'm not gonna change anything right it's for me it's better be adaptive for his style of play instead of like telling hey pass the ball to me no i know he gonna do two three times before find me so it, even some two or three goals he cut like three four times when he feel like okay can i do anything else i was open he played to me and i scored you know so it's about the knowledge from each other how you play how i play for me don't play me the ball with the big tolls the center backs in the air play me the ball on the ground and i will give it back to you correctly <laughs> mood so how diego play how chris chris i know he's gonna cut and gonna send the cross so i'm looking the timing from my teammates and i think was the knowledge from each other there's something different about the technology from the studies no it's about knowledge you gotta know your teammate what you have around you and how you can play with them how we can integrate and the coach too who can play with who on the field how this work so that's a smart way from ray to put the pieces on the field and in, in, in the right way who can play with who so um carlos jamos a connection with with diego with um paulo mastroianni you know one experience one younger fast stamina and all smart do the covers you know uh, i mean that was uh, for me one of the keys for that team uh Beside to the other points, studies, uh, many things like now we're using, which is very important because I went to the Atlanta United game against Portland, Portland last time, and I was looking the studies on the big, you know, <clears throat> screen. Yeah. Said bills in between Portland and and Atlanta United, sixty nine wins, duels, duels. Uh, the the head to head duels, yeah, yeah. Yeah, head to head. I say, okay, you can see the, the score was reflecting what happened in the studies, but not necessarily every time. Atlanta United won 69 and the Portland 39. It was like 30 more times they win in every single ball. Okay, and that was reflecting on the on the field. You can take that as an important piece, like, okay, and you can say as a coach, hey, if you're not winning a 1v1, guys, most of the time we're going to lose. So it's kind of information that you can give it to the players in half time, for example. You know, because now we have people assisting, tracking with the iPad. Okay, this is the study. Hey, we need to do better this. Hey, we worse than this. And, you know, just information, which is good. But at the end of the day, on the field, the main actors in the game are the players. And the coaches is maybe 20, 30% just to make the right decision who come out, who can come in. If you change the system or high press or lower press. At that time, we all the time play the same way. <clears throat> we're going to have the ball and we're going to propose the game. We're going to go high and we're not even working very good like, okay, who's going to press who? It's just we're thinking about how we're going to keep the possession of the ball. And then we're going to defend with the ball in our feet. And we try to make a damage if we had the ball. Almost kind of same philosophy from Guardiola. Yeah. If you don't want the ball, give it to me. 
I will, I will take care of that ball. And if we have the ball, how you can guys can score against me? That's the exactly. mentality from Pep Guardiola. I like it, you know. But it's dependent on the play you have. What personality, character, to play that way. When you see every single player from our club, in, in fusion at a time, everybody have a good fit. Yeah. And they make a good decision with the ball. We sometimes we're in the highlight for ESPN, like 30 passes and we score against the New England Revolution. I ended up with a bully with Diego Serna pass. We, we did like 28 passes on the road and finish with the ball in the net, which is most important. Right. Because if you have like, like a Spain sometimes, more than a thousand passes, but they're losing one, one zero sometimes. <laughs> or Barcelona, thousand passes, but losing. 2-0, 2-1, you know. But if you had those players play that way in the fusion at that time, we have those players with that good fit. Yeah, that's our style. We won more than lose. That's the yeah. only, only the other thing. We win many games. We lost like three or four, not many. So <clears throat> the it, it's interesting too. You talk about the the blending of, of the players' personalities, right? I read, um, I forget which, there was a coach within MLS that referenced the philosophy of if you have sort of, it, it's almost like a, I think it was a nine to two rule. So if you have two young, inexperienced players that are talented, you surround them with nine experienced players um, to help build them up. So that way there's a bit of a safety net. Um, when they make a mistake and they can recover and, and learn. And you saw that a lot with the fusion. There were some younger players that were on the field um, surrounded by, you know, such experienced players that could help guide them and, and provide uh, uh, that, that framework. Um, but I want to, I want to talk about your relationship with, with Diego. And so um, I think uh Jimmy, I believe it was Jimmy had had mentioned how Diego was a good player, but a, a little, a little maybe had a tendency to be temperamental at times when things weren't quite going the right way. Um, and so I think from a striker standpoint, it can be. Um, uh, I think you can be a bit cautionary when there's another goal scorer that immediately comes in and makes an impact in the in the way that you did. Um, but y'all blended so well together, one and two in the scoring standings and and assisting each other and setting each other up. Um, and you talked about Diego drawing the attention of the center backs because he was a big, strong forward. Um, how did you sort of approach the dynamic with Diego to get to a point where y'all were almost in sync with, with the way your minds were working? The first thing was like the, the language. You know, he doesn't speak much English, same as me. So we have to <laughs> work, you know, live together. We go out, per diem, put the backpack, and then go dinner. Carlos Jamosa, Diego, and myself. We're always together. So we're talking a little bit more about soccer. We're talking about probably more than anybody else in the team because our culture was soccer, soccer every single day. Newspaper, this, this, and that. We're talking about soccer every time. Um, become a good friends on and off. And um, I think when since he, he believed we can work together because I passed to him. He passed to me. And then we move in smart in the final third. 
So he feel like, okay, we have a good um, duo to make the things happen, to score. Because I, I'm not, I wasn't selfish. Like, I want to score instead of him. He's in better position. And we all the time, we're talking about it. Because at some point, when he got like 12 goals and I have 14s, and even at the end, we still we're still competing against each other without being selfish. Right. It's very hard part to divide and like, okay, I want the glory. I want to be number one, but you're behind me. And uh, if you open, I'm not going to give it to you because if I pass to you, you score, you pass to me. So nothing like that happened. We were very honest. And even I said, Diego, if you open, I will pass to you. If you open, please pass to me too, because <laughs> we're competing. Because the rest of the play was very behind, like four or five goals behind us. Right. I have uh, 17 goals and I have 15. So we're close. It was like five or six games to end up the season. Yeah. So in the last game against DC, I scored a trick. And, and I put a pass. I remember I control it. He do overlap. And I just tackle like this. It, Amazing pass for him. He went by himself, but the first touch for him was not correct. He was a little bit away from the angle he's supposed to be. If he scored a goal, we should be tied in points, 47 points. And the league should be scoring goals for him and myself because the Twin Towers fall down at that time. The ta- terrorist attack. Right. And the league say, okay, it's what it is. We're going to go play off. And whoever is, is number one in goals, assists, or whatever, that's it, done. But we're talking about, you see, I pass to you, you need a score. We're joking sometimes in the locker room. You yeah. see, Marcelo, I pass to you, hey, you don't pass to me. We're talking, but we're never selfish. We're never, um, you know, how can I say? We're always working as a team. We have a relationship. We take a dinner together. And when we're traveling, we're always together. I think we have a good chemistry. Obviously, we have different groups sometimes with that type of dinners they got different friends and this this and that but at the end of the day pre-game meal all together and everybody focus and just one thing one objective is win is working hard and i remember as a team captain uh, jim rooney he say, on the field guys don't take a break don't take a break and i keep that forever because nobody take a break on the field and when he saw somebody like walk, you know, hey, don't take a freaking break. Come on, keep going, keep going. It was a leadership. You know, I just listen that words and I'm learning those words too. Sometimes bad words. But <laughs> you know, I was a pro and then things happen like that. So but the most important was like everybody working together. Everybody have ethic work on the field. Even outside of the field, if we're not like amazing teammates because dinner together no everybody go different way but when we meet together man you can see in the eyes you can see in the everybody very 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 focused and everybody hungry to win and play good we don't give any ball for lose and uh, we take care of the ball a lot we're not just kicking the ball we're not just like typical saying nah, man, let's just Play outside and play direct. Play outside, play direct. No, we are different. We take care of the ball, the value of the ball. And I teach my players when I coaching. This is most important. The ball. If you don't have it, we're in trouble. 
we we like worry about they can make a damage on us but when we have it feel better but take care don't just pass to for pass take personality character don't just throw away the ball have to be with sense play with sense not just kicking the ball away and that was the team you know i that's so key it's it's a mentality right yeah. it's 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 the mentality of i don't want to have i mean we hear phrases like wasteful distribution waste pass like whatever but the but to to really think about what that means you don't want to waste your opportunity with the ball take care of it because if you don't have it you could have damage done to you i mean that is that is different than, well, let's just sling a ball down and see what happens. Well, let's just run it and then come back and come back. You're also, if you have the ball and you're dictating the play, you're also able to manage your own fitness because you're not chasing and chasing and chasing the ball. You can dictate the flow of it, which will then give you the ability to, dic to dictate the game and have the other team try and catch and they'll wear down and they'll wear down and and it will go you know i i i often think about watching i mentioned this to john trask but i will never forget this sequence and i think this this sums it up so perfectly that 2001 season of how miami played there was a foul that happened i, I remember watching the game i don't remember exactly i think you scored this but i could be incorrect but i do remember the sequence there was a foul in the buildup and whoever took the free kick uh, just touched a finger on the rolling ball to pause it and immediately passed it. And then it was a pass, pass, pass goal. And the other team was standing around like, wait a minute, this can't be legal. And the ref is like, nope, they stopped it. They touched it. They started it. And it was just the smart, not taking a break, not being wasteful with it and the fun style of play of that entire season. Yeah, I think. The, then the first goal that I scored in MLS was against uh, Colorado Rapids. Yep. 1-0. And I scored, I scored two goals. Right. But the goal wasn't a free kick. And Ian Bishop, he went to the ball quicker, just put the ball, dead ball. And I was immediately thinking, this guy's so smart. I have to be ready. So I used my body position with the ball and the body position to go straight to the goal. And he played me immediately. And they just turn around, like you said, they're like maybe waiting for big ceremony, like who gonna take it and, and this, this and that. No, Bishop was ready and I was ready. And that was the connection immediately, eyes contact and immediately look in my space. In case he played me, I'm ready. I just took a touch and boom, and make the keeper. Aiden, he played for Revolu with Revolution with me too. That's a big keeper yeah. in between the legs. That was the tie. Immediately, three minutes in, I was three minutes in. I was engaged. I was ready to go. And I was always thinking, I'm an international player. I have to make the difference. No matter what they say about my size or whatever. Here, the mess is short, right? So I have to be big. It's about... The mentality, number one, and that you have to be ready all time. All time. Not not like two, three seconds disappear for the game. No, you have to be always connected with the game, with the ball, with the space, with the time, everything. 
So that happened in the goal. When everybody looking down, bitch should get yeah. the ball, play quick, and then I was ready to finish. And then I scored the second one, the corner kick. I was kind of lucky, the ball in the box, and then I was in the right time, the right place. And I scored two goals. But that happened all the time. So now we call it speed of play, right? Right. Speed of play. So you not take long period of time to do free kick. Who gonna take it? No, whoever is close, pull and play. And that's the mentality you show to the opponent. Hey, this guy's not joking. This guy's want to win. They were this guy's want to propose the game. You know, they're not hiding. They not they want the ball. Every single player movement of the ball wanting the ball. But at the same time, it's can, it's can, it's can. I was scanning a lot. And I use that word all the time because that's a big part of the the, the key. It's a key for me when you're on the field. So you're looking everywhere to see what happened around you. You open or what space you want to use to sprinting later. You're reading and um, read the game, scan all time, and then see if you have time and space to control turn or just play first touch and then move into this space. I use a lot because I was not a bigger player. I wasn't a faster player. But mentally, I think was I always try to be one step ahead for the rest or the most of the players on the field. And I think it was a key for me to play in this league. Otherwise, physically, I cannot compete like everybody thinking. If everybody thinking I want to, I was the number nine for for dealing with defender, I want to lose nine out of ten times. But I was thinking like if I mentally one step ahead, that's going to make me successful in this league. And I think that's happened all the time. And that's what I told you. I scored first touch many times. Because I knew it was alone. I knew it was what is the space that I have to approach. You know, 5, 10, 15 yards. My training, when I train by myself, I, I'm doing a sprinting in 5, 10, 15 yards. Because I was thinking, if I can be able to win in 5 yards, if I'm going a yard at front, because I'm thinking before the ball's coming, that's for me enough to beat the big guys, or stronger guys, or faster than me. And I train a lot that 15, 10, 15 yards, sprinting, 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 connecting with the ball, reaching the ball. And that helped me a lot based on my characteristic as a player. And this league was very physical, very, very physical and fast. So that's the only way that I compete when I was 31. Later, obviously, 33, 34, I lose my speed. And then, okay, it's time to thank you for coming. It's over. (laughs) Right? Yeah. But that was the, the the things that I tried to, you know, and I'm doing all the time something extra after practice. That's the kind of things that I told you. I was working on ball control. I was working the first touch, uh, you know, with Diego, with Bishop, with switch upon attack. And the session was like mostly time. 80% of the session was possession games. But different type of things included. But all the time, possession, possession, possession. And that work in something like about decision-making is a lot. High space, bigger space, whatever the coach won, that team was training very well in that part, decision-making. Everybody training that, your brain going like faster, and then one touch, two touches, restrictions, one touch, two touches. The only guy who dribbled was Diego, doing whatever he won. <laughs> but I was working around him, you know, I just help him. Okay. So don't let him trouble. He sometimes mentioned to me, Alex, they say, 
he called Chiquita. It's a small. That's a terminology in South America. Doing the small, back to back, back to back, you know, back and forth, back and forth. Tiki taka. And I said, Diego, it's good to play with you. I'm having fun, do giving goes with you, close at each other. That was our style. But you have to think about the rest of the guys. They like to get the ball. They like to switch a point attack. You say, no, 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 don't switch a point attack. No, don't, don't give it to them. Hey, play with me, play with me. You know, he have a lot of connection with me. But I say, no, two, three touches, boom, get out of here. Diego. Put, give it to G Bishop, give it to Preki. Let those guys play and then we move it around. Be in the right time, the right place. You know, our job is go there and score. That's just our job. Don't think another thing. So, you know, it's, it's team chemistry. And like I said, the very important piece was Ray Hudson bring the players um, to connect very well. That's his, uh, his big um, vision, uh, how work with those players with a lot of experience, with the younger players around. But the most of the players was experienced players. So it's basically a specialist in their position. They know yeah. what to do. You know, it's, it's a little bit easy to work. It's smart from Ray. And the two assistant coaches they have, amazing. They're always serious, focused. And, you know, if it's 10 minutes, it's 15 minutes, it's an hour, like that, ping, ping. It's short and intense, short and intense. It's not long and it's slow. That was the things that difference, you know, the training-wise. Instead of giving me 20 minutes slow motion, Give me 10, like a block, training, pa, 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 pa. Because at the end of the day, the reality of the game is like that. Yeah. So you have to think how you're going to play. If you train that way, you're going to play that way. If you train lazy, you're going to be lazy. How we can yeah. expect different results? And that was the, that was the team. With the coaching staff and the players, you know? You know, the um, the I've been, ever since that season – and we'll talk about the ending of it here in just a minute. But ever since that season, I've tried to look at MLS and see like, okay, what's going to be the next kind of team that, that has a bit of a similar approach, similar feeling of just playing and enjoying it. And right now, I mean, it's still early, right? We're recording this and there's only been seven weeks of the MLS season. Um, but LAFC have started demonstrating similar approaches, similar mentality, um, players just getting on there. There was an interview. I was watching a game the other day and the broadcaster said they interviewed Steve Trundolo, manager at LAFC about how do you approach the game? How do you approach the players in practice? He said, I just put them on the field and let them go. They know what they're supposed to do. I'm just going to sit back here and, and watch some magic happen. And I hadn't heard similar approach, um, since Ray, right. About like, no, we're just going to let them go. And if you watch, you got Carlos Vela, right. He's playing, he's kind of stepped back a bit into more of a playmaker role instead of a pure striker. And he's, you got Dennis Bawanga who's come, cutting in from the wings and banging stuff in. And so it, it's still early days, right? This, this may not age well if they take it, if they take a dive for the rest of the season, although I don't suspect that'll happen. Um, but it's been interesting that in, in sort of those two examples, you've got managers that have got some experienced players. They know what they're supposed to be doing and they just let them go. Um, they just kind of stay out of the way and let him go. Um, now I do want to shift 
in at the end of the 2001 season, we did talk about the season uh, kind of abruptly being ended because of, of 9-11 and the Twin Tower attack. And so this, the last couple of weeks of the season were paused and canceled, and then they just sort of jumped right into the playoffs. You all did pretty well in the playoffs um, in the first round, knocking out the last year's champion, Kansas City Wizards. And then uh, coming up, and then we talked about in the semis, getting eliminated by San Jose. Um, after getting eliminated... What was your experience when you were told the fusion's done, the league is removing the team in Miami, um, and then eventually you went to New England in the in the dispersal draft along with with Rooney? Um, but what what was your experience like being told that the team was gone? Well, was uh, I still remember that like why we don't know that's going to happen early enough to see what else what we can do because even I bought a house in about October and then November they give us the notice that after that game rumors that the club gonna disappear and then like wow I just bought a house in Coral Spring area near to the to the field in my best year and now what 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 we can do so it was like frustration to be honest and uh, after seeing the, I, I doubt sometimes because after this season we did, not just me, the team and the, you know, fans coming to the field and I hear the studies about 3,000, 4,000 per game average the year before. Now the average is 13, 14,000 fans. This is a connection, amazing People hear about the club doing good stuff. I doubt it. For a couple of days, this is not going to happen. And obviously, I don't want that to happen. I just bought a house and I, you know, what can I do now? So it was like frustration, to be honest. Like, I hated that time that happened that way. And seeing the league right now, how more franchise coming up. And growing like 150% more teams on, in the league. I mean, maybe it was a bad timing for me to come at that time. And, you know, frustration basically see the teammates, um, you know, having fun the way we play. It was a party every Saturday, local stadium. I remember Dre Hobson. And the speech with the media talking louder and like saying like amazing. I remember those words all the time. Amazing. And I hear like Alex, amazing. Diego, Chris, you know, talking about every single player. That was not, not, not I never hear a coach saying many things about his players, just good things. Yeah. So like positive. Is never I he never argued things like negative stuff, even in the locker, even with losing. And when after that we get a dinner with the family, friends and fans, and what's a family, man? Yeah. How things can disappear. That's an environment amazing. The thing is set. It's just like automatic uh, you know, cruise control. Yeah. yeah. You know. We can lose game here and there, but most of the time we're gonna win. This team is amazing. 
at least for the next two, three years. And they're going to come different player. But I don't know what that decision was made, to be honest. Um, maybe not patient enough. I don't know what's, what happened behind the scene that we not take a control of them. But it was frustration, to be honest. And I should live in Miami still if we make three years. I have a four-year contract at that time. Oh. Probably after that, if the club continue, maybe I should be in the working with Miami yeah. Fusion, not Inter Miami, Miami Fusion. <laughs> now yeah. I have to change the name. But I, you know, just I just remember that thing. That's a frustration, but at the same time, Miami all the time is gonna be in my heart. I always remember every single teammate, even when Coach uh, which Rooney said with GM Bishop, they taking a shower and I say, "Can you hear me now?" <laughs> Just to start reconnecting with them because that's the, the the things that are from the commercial. Yep. So I hear that and I just I want to joke with these guys just to be in touch with them, take connected yes. on the field, but here just be like friends here too. And they laughing on me because you know, Chiki, can you hear me now? Good. I say good. That's the only thing that I'm talking to them because. I cannot even understand what they say when they're talking in the locker room. I was more with Diego, with Carlos, you know, talking in Spanish. But at the end of the day, it was a great group. And, um, you know, I miss those time a lot. But I understand, you know, soccer career is this moment. Is Somebody say, like, if it's a singer, singers got 50, 60, 70, they're still singing and doing concerts. Unfortunately, soccer players, we have like 15, 20 years. I played 19, 20 years professional. And, you know, we should have been with that adrenaline. But obviously the younger players coming, coming, coming is is fair enough to give an opportunity to to make this sport amazing. Like I think he is. It's, it's this amazing sport. And it's like the best in the world. And I just have a good memories, to be honest. Miami for me is was my second home. That's incredible. Well, I want to I want to close this out with this. You you started to to touch on it a little bit, but sort of two two questions, but really they're they're kind of part A and part B. But one, I want to know what do you think the legacy of the Miami Fusion is, and what do you want new fans, possibly <clears throat> new Inter Miami fans, but also new MLS fans, to know about the Miami Fusion? Well, it's it's connecting that that question is connecting the legacy with the. Uh and let the fans for Inter Miami remember um, there was a good, good, really good team, uh, probably one of the best in the and and the history of the league, the way that we play, LAFC is closer, you know, and the, the style of play that we, we practice at that time. I like to see the LAFC with that happiness, how they play. But I would like to see the, the, the Inter Miami play in that way or at least the, the fans can come and enjoy uh, the team play. And uh, the legacy is like, you know, everything is possible um, to get connection with the fans. But the most important is the players. This is going to be the message for the players who are right to Miami, Inter-Miami, the legacy for in the past, from the fusion. This was the way they play. It's like Barcelona have a DNA style and they don't change that even winning or losing they still same playing the same style i would like to see the inter miami play the same way that way we can feel okay we we 
we leave the legacy for this new club with these players, how the you know the fusion play at that time and how the Inter Miami has to have the DNA to play when everybody come to play to Miami to local stadium or not local stadium the new stadium right. same as uh, that stadium the play against Inter Miami they can say like okay those guys played this this way and uh, respect that way from from Inter Miami so. And I would like to see that. I would like to hear the fans say, like, we're talking right now. We're talking about LAFC. But I would like to say, hey, Inter Miami is an amazing team. This is the style of play, very characteristic for those players they hire to play there. They make a contract for them. This is the style of the players that should play based on the past for the Miami Fusion. Couldn't agree more. I love it. We're going to end it there. Alex, thank you so much for sharing your stories. I appreciate it. 25 for 25 is a Detox Podcast production. Music production provided by KCWM on Spotify and YouTube. Recording, editing, post-production, and hosting has been completed by me, Joe Shaw. If you would like to follow along with this podcast, you can subscribe to it directly wherever you get your podcasts or by subscribing to the Detox Podcast feed. For more information about this and other Detox-produced podcasts, be sure to go to detoxpodcast.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast.com. And a special thanks to all those who took the time to share their story with me. If you want to continue to support this podcast, please share it with a friend and rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to it currently. Though Miami fans nowadays are decked in pink, I'll always bleed blue and yellow. Hashtag Fusion Forever.